say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, and welcome back to We're Not So Different, a podcast about how we've always been idiots. My name is Luke, I am an amateurish historian, and as always, I am joined by Dr. Eleanor Yanega, who is anything but. Uh, this time, the series on historical materialism rolls on with part 12, which will focus on the years from roughly 1607 to 1642. There are reasons that, that, we, that those years are so weird, but, you know, whatever. We'll get to that. Uh, that means we'll cover the Thirty Years' War, the Peace of Westphalia, the rise of the last Chinese dynasty, and the Great Divergence. Unfortunately, the bourgeoisie and the English Civil War. We'll have to wait until next episode. But first, a question from Christina, who says, How are ideas about the middle about the medieval era used to reinforce modern day racism and xenophobia? I'm thinking specifically of white nationalists using Viking esque imagery and Boris Nelson Boris Nelson? Boris Johnson blaming the fall of Rome on immigration. Yeah. See, I know the I know the names of world leaders. Eleanor, uh, please answer the question before I stick my foot in <laughs> my mouth. Uh, well, Christina, how long you got? Uh, is uh, <laughs> the question. But yeah, so one of the big problems that we have, and it's it's a huge problem in medieval studies generally, um, is racism. Because one of the things that racists like is medieval history, and the reason that they like medieval history is that they like to pretend that Europe was like a completely homogenous, like a uh, bunch of white people who were all Christian, mm -hmm. and that was the only people who was here, who was here, and that like it's therefore like a glory day for white people, white peopling, right? 
Um, and so there are big things with this. Um, the Vikings are a really huge one. You've hit on it um, already, Christina. And the Vikings, I think, in particular, are really rife for racist imagination because I think that people like the old gods um, and they like to have like this religion that is completely apart from anything that's going on in the Middle East. Like I think it's, it's specifically like a knee jerk. Here's a white people religion for white people. <laughs> right. Uh, which yeah. is mm, hmm, uh, exciting. And then also there is like this kind of certain amount of machismo that goes along with Vikingness. Right. So it's like, Oh yeah. And here you go. Here are like the, the Nazi super soldiers that like Hitler promised us mm. from a historical perspective. <laughs> yeah. And it's like only through contact with the rest of Europe that, you know, this really macho culture was watered down into, you know, not mm-hmm. killing people all the time and constantly reaving. <laughs> you know, or whatever. Yeah. So people, and so as a result, you see people, for example, um, use runes in a really racist way all the time. Like to the point where I've told well-meaning people like, bro, don't get a tattoo of runes because like mm-hmm. racists will think you're one of them. And also people will think you're probably a racist, even though you, you aren't like, you're always going to have to go through all of your life explaining mm-hmm. what's going on there and differentiating yourself from these people. Um, Tied up with this, there's all kinds of imaginary racist stuff and imagery, like the folk newt is in here, which is kind of like a like a, a Viking image that they've like racistly taken over. Um, I think they also like that, like you know, the stories about the Vikings kind of going to the New World and fighting Native Americans. So it kind of like especially appeals to the American mind about being like, oh, here's some yeah. white people that did go to the Americas in the medieval period. Uh, so see, like they. The white people domination they, of the world was therefore like inevitable. Blah blah. They were blah. there for twenty years and they died. Got their asses. <laughs> Maybe whooped. twenty years. Not yeah, even. Like, not even twenty years. I know, right? Come on now. Come on. Um, Come on. So the Vikings, in particular, are a part of this. Um, you also see it, for example, with uh, the quote-unquote Anglo-Saxons um, or you know early English people. That also gets picked up really, really racistly um, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, I think that that's kind of similar connotations. It's like MF or Red Beowulf. Uh, and mm. like the and obviously part of this is a specific racist project on the part of Victorians as well. So like the term Anglo-Saxon is pretty much a, uh, it's a Victorian invention. It only comes up in like six documents from the medieval period. Uh, people did not call themselves Anglo-Saxons. They called themselves English. <laughs> Like that's, that's their word for themselves is being English. Uh, and they were then arrested and thrown in jail. Pew, pew, pew. Um, uh, but, uh, like in the Victorian period, when like the real kind of like racialized historiography is coming out, when you have all these concepts of, of uh, race science that are going around the shop, they lean really heavily into this conception of Anglo-Saxonness to invent a kind of like fake, um, Northern European, you know, Protestant mm-hmm. ideal that is, you know, therefore justified in taking over the world. So um, as a result, the early, in, like, medieval English people, they get a lot of racist attention as well. Um, there is also within this a lot of racists like to talk about the Crusades, of course. 
So um, people like to think about um, not only the Crusades, but like uh, the Reconquista in, in, on the Iberian Peninsula and basically fighting against uh, Muslims more generally. So, Deus Volt. Yeah, Deus Volt, etc. So they like to say that, you know, uh, for example, conflicts between um, Christians and Muslims in the medieval period show that Christians and Muslims are always at each other's throats and uh, like essentially more or less destined to fight each other, um, and uh, that that's good. Citation needed. Like, so we should always be seeing ourselves as being a part of and at constant war with, um, you know, th- th- our Muslim friends. Now, obviously, that's pretty far from the truth. Sure, there are conflicts with um, between Islam and Christianity. I'm not saying that there aren't. But, like, the Crusades, like, homie, that's, like... Muslims were just sitting there and white people showed mm-hmm. up and started killing them. Um, what was going on on the Iberian Peninsula and like the wars back and forth? Sure. But like, is that necessarily like about religion or is religion being used as a guide in order as uh, sorry, as like a guise in mm-hmm. order to justify, you know, the powerful attempting to take more land and, mm-hmm. you know, and how do we disentangle those two things? Blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, yeah. And there are plenty of places like, for example, Sicily, where everyone kind of gets along just fine. And, you know, uh, it's, so especially when we're talking about uh, like the Iberian situation, there are kind of like two opposing terms. One of them is convivencia and the other is a con- is um, is reconquista. So convivencia is like the idea that everyone was just chilling and um, like it was a nice world where Jewish people, Muslim people and Christian people lived side by side, which is probably... In my opinion, like it's too romantic. It's not true. There, there mm-hmm. is there is friction, and you know that that is what it is. But that's as opposed to reconquista or the idea that everyone is constantly at each other's throat. And you know, in my opinion, those are both too far along the line. It's somewhere in the middle, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, those are the big ones to look out for. For like, this is just like it, I could go on about this for ages and ages and ages. But the huge ones to look out for are using the term Anglo-Saxon, the Vikings. And any kind of discussions about, like, forever war with Islam. So these are all, you know, not, like, it, it's just not true. And it's based mm-hmm. on what um, white people want. So uh, racist white people want to look at medieval Europe as a time when men were men and everyone was white and things were better. And it's it's just not true and it doesn't really pan out. Um, so mm-hmm. just beware of anyone who is saying that shit. And, like, also ask them for fucking citations. Or actually, just don't fucking talk to them. Just, like, yeah. tell them to fuck <laughs> off and, like, get on with your life because they're not... It's not worth your time, really, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you can tell, you can tell that, uh, that uh, Muslims and Christians and Jews lived in harmony in some places together because, uh, you know, there's a whole word... You know, an Arabic word for, uh, you know, attacks on Christians and Jews and, you know, the the jizya and they didn't. And, uh, you know, a lot of uh, of Muslim empires and uh, and and countries made a lot of money from that. So it's not (laughs) Yeah, like the most Islamic thing you you can possibly do is have a really mixed population so that someone's paying fucking jizya. (laughs) Like otherwise, (laughs) otherwise we wouldn't have that. So, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Christina, thank you so much for the question. Uh, Christina is one of our awesome patrons. And if you would like to become a patron, then uh, by all means, please subscribe at patreon.com slash WNSDpod. Uh, you can ask us questions, you get bonus episodes, um, join the Discord, and uh, yeah, just generally support the show. And that's pretty cool. We love that. Yes, we do. <laughs> we love to have the show supported. <laughs> we do. <laughs> it needs support. Support yeah. of all kinds. Think about think about the show as a really great rack. It needs some support, you know. Mm-hmm. It would be great mm-hmm. anyway, but wouldn't it be nice to support it? Yes, I'm talking mm-hmm. about tits. Yeah. Give me some money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I'll talk about tits too if you give me money. I don't <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, yeah, right. Well, whatever like, you yeah, want. Tits. I don't know. Tits are great. Tits. Great. Love, love them. Love Amazing. Them. Great, great Amazing. stuff. No Men, notes. women, uh, everyone, great. Fantastic. Thanks. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on to the main show. Uh, so it is that we enter the age of unintended global consequences. The expanded trade, travel, and exploitation of the age of discovery and colonialism brought about the first true era of globalization. For more than a millennia, the Silk Road and Maritime Silk Road had served as the main vector for transmitting goods, culture, ideas, war, and empire across the old world. And now Atlantic trade routes would extend that process to the Americas. Technological advancements and new understandings of the world now allowed the uh, supply chain, so to speak, to stretch from the Pacific coast of eastern China through Asia, North Africa, Europe, across the Pacific across the Pacific and to the Pacific coast of the Western Americas. The only uninhabited continent or the only inhabited continent continent that remained free of this early level of globalization was Oceania. But with the Dutch and British beginning to explore the coast of Australia in the early 1600s, such isolation could not last forever. Instead, trends and innovations that in the past would have been contained solely to Europe or the old world or just, you know, the little region where they were, uh, now had global consequences. In in China in the late 1440s, the decision to permanently end the treasure fleet voyages and Ming China becoming more insularly focused meant that the Chinese never expanded eastward across the Pacific. Thus, this decision by the Chinese emperor, made for various reasons internal to China at the time, meant that Europe was free to do colonialism in the Americas on its own terms and without any colonial uh, opposition. Uh, the results of the, the results of policy choices, uh, motherfucker. What? Anyway, uh, <laughs> the thirty the Thirty Years' War, a conflict that was almost wholly confined to the Holy Roman Empire, uh, would be would become the first in a long series of events that would eventually culminate in World War One, hmm. all because the concept of Westphalian sovereignty, adopted from the Treaty of Westphalia that ended the Thirty Years' War, was incorporated as a bedrock principle in the global British empire which led America to do the same the ideas taken from a local European treaty were enforced across the planet thanks to the new global hegemonies exporting them at the barrel of a gun likewise a half-assed civil war in England that eventually led the country right back into monarchy and after a brief hiatus could no longer remain just a local conflict Instead, it became the first instance of the bourgeoisie exhibiting early class consciousness and asserting their their prerogatives. 
English Civil War, which we will discuss next episode, became something of a guidepost for future bourgeois revolutions against feudal and royal privileges that they believe held them back, especially in America and France. And yeah, we're now in the the era of unintended global consequences. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the first one of those consequences we're going to discuss are the consequences of Protestantism. Yay! Yay! And that means the Thirty Years' War. Now, we're not a military podcast, no. so we're not going to be getting into the specifics of the war or many of its battles, probably. But it's still necessary to talk about the wider trends at play and what happened as a result. So, Eleanor... Uh, why did the Thirty Years' War happen, and how did it get how did it get started? Ah, uh, rich people were wiling out. Uh, ah. <laughs> like I mean, <laughs> uh, basically is the thing. So, um, basically, we start out with kind of like the Wars of Reformation in general, and mm. the Wars of Reformation kind of happened because. There are consequences for the Holy Roman Empire of all this newfangled Protestantism that is around the joint, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, Emperor Charles V, uh, your your man there with the huge chin, he Mm. really spends a lot of time uh, trying to stop uh, Protestantism from happening. Uh, This makes perfect sense if you are a Holy Roman Emperor, because basically all of your hegemonic power comes from the concept of you being, you know, the the military arm of the church, essentially. So Mm. it's like the Pope is, uh, is God's representative on earth in religious matters, and the Holy Roman Emperor is God's representative on earth in terms of, you know, secular matters. Mm-hmm. For lack of a better word. So if everyone doesn't believe uh, in the Catholic God, then you are shit out of luck in terms of being <laughs> Holy Roman Emperor, right? So he, you know, he's a, devout, he's a devout Catholic, but there's also real reasons why he wouldn't want, you know, his his various subjects splitting off into Protestantism. Now, mm. possibly for these same reasons, on the other hand, um, a lot of the princes really liked... <laughs> Protestantism. A lot of, especially, you know, among the German princes, uh, there is like, oh, hell yeah, I'm really down for this. Um, You know, famously, one of them, Frederick the Wise, is the guy who hid Martin Luther after the Diet of Worms. um, And like, he pretended to be a knight and he stayed in Frederick the Wise's castle. And that's where he translated the Bible and the hey, hey, all of this stuff. Uh, Basically, all the things that kept Martin Luther from becoming like Jan Hus, which is to say burnt at the stake. Um, so within this, there's definitely these real, there is definitely like real religious sentiment to it and people who see like the value of it, but there's also reasons of power that you may like to have yourself a, uh, a Protestant ruler instead. Right. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of kind of, uh, fighting back and forth. Um, so we get a kind of like end of the wars of the religion with the peace of Westphalia, which uh, is in 1648. See, I can write things down. It's good. <laughs> um, and basically, these are these are actually like two two treaties that that mm. kind of like sign the end of the Thirty Years' War. Thirty Years' War. Like, I'm gonna have to swing back to it, but so we're gonna we're, i want to talk about the end of it in order to like come back to what happens as a result of mm-hmm. it. so basically 
The treaties are, there's like, the first one is the Peace of Munster, which is, uh, the Dutch sign it, uh, Spain signs it. And then there's a one later on, um, which is the Treaty of Onsnebrück, uh, which is between the Holy Roman Empire and Sweden. Um, and now, basically, this is why, like, I'm, I'm mentioning all these interesting and far-flung places, right? Because it's like, uh, Germans are involved in this, the Holy Roman Emperor is involved in this, France is involved in this, um, and not always, like, on the sides that you would think. Because, like, the French kind of use the wars of religion to kind of knock over the Holy Roman Emperor a little bit. Because mm-hmm. they don't like the fact that he's bigger and fancier than them. Like, French people want to be the fanciest. Um, mm-hmm. And there, there are all these, there are all these issues uh, with it, right? Um, mm-hmm. But there are major, major players um, in the Thirty Years' War, which kicks off for all these reasons. And weirdly, it'll be places like Sweden that play an absolutely like huge part in it. So, mm-hmm. um, oh yeah, and then there's also the Schmalkaldic Wars. So. <laughs> It's such a mess. It's such a mess. Every time I have to think about this. And so, like, one of the big things that gets together is that, like, the German Protestants form this thing called the Schmackaldic League, which is uh, a fun thing to try to get your students to spell. S-C-H-M-A-L-K-A-L-D-I-C. Shout out to all my students who figure that out every year. Um, nope. So... <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So basically, they get together and uh, all the Protestants, they band together and they just start like fucking with the Holy Roman Empire. Um, and they're like, we're going to replace the Holy Roman Empire with the Schmacaldic League, right? That's what we're going to do. And then like, we mm-hmm. are not going to have to worry about, um, we're not going to have to worry about the Holy Roman Emperor. We're not going to have to worry about the church. None of that shit. So it's going to get rid of all the problems that we've been having in terms of like papal interference in elections, all of that just wiped out. Um, mm. they fight about it. There's a lot of like going back and forth and they sign a thing called the peace of Augsburg in 1555 about it. And so basically what happens with that is that you can choose the religion in your own region. Right. So, mm. uh, basically you can choose to be a Catholic. You can choose to be a Lutheran. Um, uh, like, and when you're the prince, you're like, this is the religion that we're going for. Um, this is called, uh, this, there's a Latin term for this. It's a principle called quius regio aeus religio. So, like, um, of whose uh, region, whose religion, essentially. Now, mm. this is interesting because that's basically what had been going on in Bohemia already, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they just fucking given up on the Hussites and, like, Czechs would just be like, pew, pew. Like, uh, Moravia, a little bit more Catholic. But this had already been going on. But they were just, like, applying the same principles about what they'd done with the Hussites to the rest of the Holy Roman Empire, more generally Mm. um basically um lutherans who are then living under a bishop they can continue to be lutheran if they want to um Mm -hmm. lutherans also can got to keep the the territory that they captured from the church and um the bishops that had converted to lutherism lutheranism had to give up their territories that had been like bishoprical and give them back to the church on the Mm -hmm. other hand so like these this is pretty pretty all right state of affairs and that kind of lasts until we hit the 30 years war in 1617 um Mm -hmm. because it just didn't really basically there there, there's an issue because uh matthias who's the holy roman emperor and he's also the king of bohemia interestingly um he doesn't have an heir okay Mm. uh now 
if you went back to the medieval period, this wouldn't be a problem because who give a fuck about your heir? But you know, this is it's a problem for Habsburgs, right? Um, yeah. So that means that all of his lands would go to like because of primogeniture, they would go to his mm-hmm. uh, nearest male relative, which is his cousin, who is Ferdinand of Styria. Um, now Ferdinand is Jesuit. Like, like he's like me, the product of a fine Jesuit education. So he's he's Catholic, <laughs> right? And so the the Bohemians are like, the fuck you say, right? Like <laughs> the Czechs are like, I am absolutely not getting a fucking Catholic ruler in here. Hell no! Like this is <laughs> this is not going to be okay. This is why you get the second defenestration of Prague, right? So yeah, yeah the with the you know yeah. the political move so nice we did it twice. Uh, so. Basically, they Ferdinand has some guys get sent. Um, he, he like sends some guys and is like, "Hey, is it okay if we Catholicize this?" And everyone is like, "Fuck no!" And they throw those MFers the fuck out the window of the castle this time. Uh, the first defenestration mm-hmm. of Prague happens in the new town hall. Second defenestration of Prague happens in the castle. Um, so anyway, they throw them the fuck out the window and they die. Pew pew pew. Um, <laughs> so that kicks off the Thirty Years' War. Um, yeah. and what happens there is that... And Eleanor is saying second defenestration instead of third dis- defenestration because the second one wasn't really... It... The, yeah. Yeah. The, the second one didn't really... No, didn't, it don't count. Didn't really count. No, yeah. it doesn't so, count. So, yeah, it's popularly called the third defenestration. This is the second one in, like, 100-some, 200 years that uh, has called a, a holy war. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's so. right. That's right. I mean, the first, the first defenestration is always going to be my fave. Uh, mm. But, you know, like I, I got time for any defenestration. If you threw some motherfucker out mm-hmm. the window, I'm interested, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. I at least want to see it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I would love to see an engraving of it, anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. So, basically, this kicks off a huge problem within the Holy Roman Empire. And it allows, like, for example, France to take advantage because France hates the Habsburgs. They want to be the most important, right? So mm-hmm. they are like funneling money and stuff to some of the Protestants, even though they're Catholic, which is good. Um, Denmark and Sweden start getting involved because, like, they're big old Protestants. Uh, and mm-hmm. th- this is when you get your man Gustavus Adolphus involved. He's cool. He's a badass. Yeah. Like, I'm not big yeah. into military history, but I got time for Gustavus. Um, Everybody loves that guy. He's a good he's he's, like yeah. they apparently they had like cannons made out of walrus skin that were like portable is what I hear. But I mean, insane. I know. Utterly insane. That's cool shit, right? Um, mm-hmm. So this is like before the era where you've got standing armies. So a lot of them are of people who are fighting are mercenaries. It is bad for people who, who live in the Holy Roman Empire more generally, because you've got a mess of, like, mercenaries running through your shit generally, burning everything down. Big problems with famine. Uh, big problems with disease. Um, like, all around the German-speaking world, but also kind of, like, in the low countries and stuff. And a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of fucking rulers go broke, right? Because this mm-hmm. is not, like, your standard old-fashioned war where you're kidnapping other people in order to make money off of ransom. They're actually killing each other. Uh, so they're not like making the amount of money that they ordinarily would. Um, so huge, terrible things happen. About 30% of German speakers die, uh, mm. which in, and then it's worse in some places. So for example, in, uh, Brandenburg, uh, they lose about like half of the population we think. Jeez. Um, my, my boys, the Czechs, uh, we lose about a third of everybody. 
Um, now this, unfortunately, uh, some of this has to do with the Swedes as much as I like Gustavus Adolphus, this MF are like kicked the asses of a lot of my friends. And I'm like, dude, we aren't even actually like Catholic. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, and also they sacked like Prague. Uh, but it was mm. interesting because, um, as a result of it, they, some of the manuscripts of the preacher that I work on, um, Jan Milic ended up in Sweden because <laughs> hmm. they're like, they like that guy. And so they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to take some of these back to Sweden. And that's that's like, right. Burn everything else except these priceless ducks. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so basically, like, the the Swedes, like, sack everything, like, including Prague, which sucks. Um, and, like, it's, it's really out of hand because no one has control over the mercenaries. Like, there's even, like, a mercenary band that called themselves the Werewolves. Because, like... Ooh, that's what they, they were doing like and they like and there's huge damage to like monasteries and churches and and places like this so we lose we lose a lot of documents so you know every time mm. someone wanted to say some like stupid ass shit to you about like the dark ages part of it has to do with like you know wars of religion in the modern period mm-hmm. and when you remember mm. when you burnt down all the fucking monasteries that's like you want to lose documents because this is how you lose documents right so that that happens um <laughs> and Basically, as a result of this, though, you no longer have the Holy Roman Empire. So this is this is how you get Austria-Hungary, right? Because mm. the Habsburgs are like, okay, well, fuck it. Like, I guess we, we don't control Bohemia. Well, they, they actually keep control of Bohemia. Uh, but, like, we don't control the German-speaking lands other than, like, Austria, like, our hereditary lands. Um, mm. So they basically kind of, like, keep hold of that. And then that's the conditions under when you get Mozart and shit like that later. And also mm. World War One, right? Um, and it means that the Protestant successor states kind of like branch up um, at this mm-hmm. point in, in the German land. So, you know, this is how you get your Westphalias and your Bavarias and everything like that being independent actors before you have like unification, if that mm. makes sense. Um, so... Yeah, like a lo- this is a, an incredibly whistle-stop tour of a very, very long war, obviously. But <laughs> the point is, it was fucked up and it sucked. And a lot of regular-ass people died um, because certainly, certainly this is a case wherein people were fighting for religious reasons. But, you know, the minute mercenaries are involved, or indeed, like, rich people generally, it's never just that. And mm-hmm. um, you, you, have, you have real, real problems um, in terms of, of that. So, yeah. 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 As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. Um, and it terminates in two treaties, which I will not even try to pronounce. Um, <laughs> because we have a nice little historiographical term for them. Uh, the Treaty of Westphalia. Yeah. We've talked about it a few times. Um, you know. Though it was originally intended to be just a treaty to end a war based in mostly Central Europe, the concept of Westphalian sovereignty would become the intellectual and political basis for well, modern most modern nation states, if not all of them. It's such a lasting concept that the UN Charter enshrines it into international law. Mm. What little good that actually does, Eleanor? What is Westphalian sovereignty? Okay, so. One of the first things that happens with the Treaty of Westphalia is it establishes internal political boundaries, okay? So, basically, it's like, yeah, the, basically, the Holy Roman Empire, Emperor doesn't get to tell you what to do, um, and the imperial states get their, their own power back, right? So, they can mm. choose their own, their own religions, all that good stuff. Um, and even within that, Calvinism is allowed to have, be designated as a, an official religion. So you got your Catholics, you got your Protestants. Hey, hey. Um, the <laughs> Dutch become independent. So this is, this is how you get Netherlands, right? Um, mm-hmm. And the, the Dutch Republic tries to be like a religious safe haven. You get a lot of um, Jewish people move there as a result of it because they, they say uh, like the, 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 this is going to be our shtick is that everybody can live here. Um, mm-hmm. The church hates it. Uh, Pope Innocent X <laughs> said that it was like, okay, this is a good quote, null, void, invalid, iniquitous, unjust, damnable, reprobate, inane, empty of meaning, and effect for all time. Uh, that's in a bowl called Zello Dominus Dei. Uh, nobody listened to him, so that was funny. Um, <laughs> the, the tenets within it is that, okay, so everyone involved has to recognize the Peace of Augsburg um, in 1555. Um so, you know, the one where you get the quius regio eus religio, mm-hmm. right? So you've got to say, okay, that's that's definitely where we're going to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But a thing is removed from that, which is called um, jus reformandi. And jus reformandi was that, like, uh, so you have to be the same religion as your ruler. Yeah. So it was like you were able to be a Catholic under a Lutheran ruler or vice versa. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and rulers could choose whatever the rules. They can't even choose whatever they want. You have to choose Catholicism, Lutheranism, or Cal- Calvinism. The checks get really fucked in all yeah. of this. I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then later on. Spoiled for awful choices. Yeah. Just right. Awful. It's like, oh, great. Fantastic. Which of these would you like? Um, mm-hmm. So you had to return ecclesiastical property. At, like 
like everything that you sacked was supposed to go back. It doesn't really happy happen, but you know, whatever. So uh, basically Christians who are living in places where like the church doesn't have dominion there, they have kind of like the right to practice their own faith in private things like that, but you've got to give the shit back. Like you can't just steal mm-hmm. the things. Okay. Um, and then France and Sweden are recognized as like guarantors of this imperial constitution and they have a right to intercede which is so funny it's like basically they're nations all, shouldn't interfere with other na- with domestic issues in other nations unless unless <laughs> unless you happen to be the austro-hungarian empire in which case we should definitely have a right to like a sweden telling people what to do mm-hmm. is very funny to me like okay don't don't really know where that came from but okay um, but basically it, it means that there's like a generalized recognition that there's like sovereignty of every, every party over their own lands with the exception mm. of like France telling Austrians what to do, um, as well as kind of like those people abroad. Right. Mm. So it's the beginning of like the idea of citizenship. So like, you know, if a bunch of Swedes then go, shows up and sack somewhere, Sweden's responsible for it. Yeah. Right? If, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, and then there's all kinds of, like, territorial adjustments as a result of this. Um, the Swiss become the Swiss. They're no longer under the Holy Roman Empire, which is funny, because that's kind of where the Habsburgs sort of came from. Um, <laughs> you get the Dutch. Um, Fr- Prussia. Yeah, Prussia. Eventually. Yeah, yeah. Like, France takes over some really interesting bits of the Lorraine which you, Alsace. Yeah, Alsace. Yeah. Like, so you, this is how you get Strasbourg being in France, mm-hmm. which is funny with a name like Stra- Strasbourg, but hey-ho. Um, Sweden uh, gets lots of money, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, they also get West Pomerania and places like that. Um, base, uh, like Bavaria gets to takes over from the Palatinate, Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Electoral College, which is interesting. Um, the Palatinate then gets divided. This is only really interesting if you're me and uh, like you're interested in the imperial electors in the medieval period. Uh, you get to Brandenburg, Prussia, um, and you know places like that. So you start seeing the names that crop up all the time in modern history, um, especially like mm-hmm. before you get German unification. So it's like the, yeah. it's starting to look a lot more like what you and I would recognize as the territories of Europe as a result of this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Things. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean that that is good because uh yeah, it wasn't Germany yet and uh it's not Italy yet and you know, a lot of this stuff still has to go through um a lot of of twists and turns, but Oh yeah. the but <laughs> this but this right here, this thing that happens even before like Prussia really becomes its own thing is going to be like a huge deal because Germany and Austria-Hungary, Austria-Hungary, Hungary and and Italy to a lesser extent are you know going to uh, upend Westphalian sovereignty mm-hmm. in order to try and make land grabs in World War One, and then Japan will also be doing that, and that will become a thing in World War Two. Uh, but yeah, um, and 
you know, th- this is kind of what the piece of Westphalia like sets in, in motion for us long term. England and the United States being independent, being like mm-hmm. essentially world police yeah. um, is something that was set. I mean, obviously, America and in England have, you know, are, are their own fault for that. But these are concepts that were set into motion. Yeah. Uh, year uh over 100 years before america was even a country like you know like it's it, yeah there's a precedent it, it, right yeah, that's yeah, the thing yeah, it's it's yeah. like you know britain and the u.s doing the world police thing is pretty much the same as like france and sweden being like mm-hmm. the europe police for whatever reason but, but yeah. hilariously only the 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 europe police for like the former <laughs> holy roman empire okay yeah. Like wh- just, why just, and how yeah. I did, like it's just so funny, but um, just this weird large middle slice, you know, and then, uh, but I mean, like, but you you can start to see you can start to see like uh, everything falling into place here because yeah. Germany, because Germany is not yet a country, mm-hmm. it's not yet its own political entity. It is going to get a much, much, much later start on colonialism mm-hmm. than uh, than its European brother, you know, the European countries and, and America as well. And it is going to, and when it does this, it's going to try and like snatch up any land it can. There's not much land left because it's all, you know, somebody's planted a fake flag there and said, this is ours. Yeah. And so eventually the Germans were like, okay, fine. Well, we'll have to take Belgium yeah. and <laughs> we'll have to get Alsace, you know, Alsace Lorraine, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. And this is World War One. That's, yeah. you know. This is this is setting the setting everything in motion, you know, even before capitalism was its own extant thing, which it still is not at this point. It's setting in motion things that will literally define capitalism in the world. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hundreds of years in the future. Yeah. And like a, a big part of that is just like uh, the, this whole idea of territories coming down and shaking down on these lines mm-hmm. is really kind of linked to the rise of the conception of nationalism. Yeah. Right. Is it's like. You know, and I'm not saying, for example, like, especially you see my boys, the Czechs out here all the time being really down on foreigners, disliking foreigners, uh, talking about Czech shit all the time. Like that, that becomes a huge Mm -hmm. thing. But within this, you start getting these concepts of like there being an innate something Mm -hmm. about, you know, a a culture that isn't necessarily just religious. Um, So I think that's really funny is um, at the Austro-Hungarian court, like pre-World War One, there used to be a thing where if you wanted to go like petition the imperial court for some reason, they would make you, if you were not Austrian, dress up in national costume, quote unquote, and like come to court in what they thought like traditional clothing for your people were. <laughs> yeah. So, oh man. And so That's, it's like the fucking 20th oh, wow. century and they're like, expe- and, and all these ideas of like what quote unquote national clothing are, are based on like this 17th century version of stuff. So they'll be like, yeah, like go put on your heavily embroidered smock, check people and like come and then come to Vienna, this huge modern imperial city. And like, that's the only reason like, so the, and everybody like, you know, Serbs, you, they're like, no, go put, go put your little outfit on and come and then come to court. <laughs> so there, there would be stuff like that. Right. Um, and you can totally see from the standpoint, I think, especially people who are under, like, the imperial sovereignty of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, like, Czechs and Slovaks fucking hated this shit, right? And they were like, mm-hmm. well, why can't we have our own country? Like, if we're if we're acknowledging that everyone has their own country, mm-hmm. why why are we kind of, like, still in this imperial thing? What's, what's the haps? 
But it's also mm. important to to acknowledge, as you say, that while they're like, oh, yeah, white people have a right to their own country. It's like, yeah, white people do. Meanwhile, white people mm-hmm. are like eating the entire rest of the globe and being like, this mm-hmm. is, you know, this is how you get Germans in Namibia, you know, yep. stuff like that. Yep. But um, yeah. So you, you get all these conceptions about nationalism and what is going to be happening with that as a result of shaking down all these territories, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be fun. I mean, also, like, uh, Westphalian sovereignty is literally, um, you know, what gives us balkanization. And, you know, uh, a lot of the reason that, uh, that Europe is divided up the way it is. And uh, as we all know, World War I began because of some damn thing in the Balkans. Yeah, yeah. As they so often do. But, uh, yeah, um, Westphalia, uh, the Peace of Westphalia, that is the era that we live in, uh, you know, where, where we're in now. And this is going to become like the thing that, you know, as we said, these European powers begin exporting across the world wherever they go. And they expect everyone else to live within the concept. So, yeah, mm. good times. Now, let's shift our focus to the east and talk about China. Yeah. In 1644, the king dynasty overthrew the great Ming dynasty and took power the king king Qing, Qing, Qing. that's right yes. god damn it I am so sorry the Qing will reign until 1912 when they are asked when they are ousted from power meaning they are the last Chinese dynasty and it will end the uh, Chinese imperial cycle after about 3500 years uh, in 1912 so um Unlike most Chinese dynasties uh, who are, e- are ethnically Han Chinese, like the majority of China's population, the Qing were ethnically Manchu people mm-hmm. from the northeastern Manchuria region. This will become a thing um, during their rule and also later uh, because there will be, um, you know, fallout from how the Han were treated and, yeah yeah and, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um yeah so uh it, we're, we're just we're barely getting to it here but what does the Qing dynasty taking over from the great Ming? what does that what does that mean for china you know at the at this point well it's an interesting one because they are really seen as foreign um and what they mm-hmm. kind of do is they're they really set about sort of like redefining what it means to be chinese because they're taking over china but they're very much calling themselves like Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because a lot of like the racist uh, stereotypes that we will have of uh, Chinese people date to this period as well, just because mm-hmm. of, like ossifying ideas about nationalism. So uh, like the queue where you have the big braid and the shaved head, that's uh, that's a Qing thing. So it's actually mm-hmm. Manchu. Uh, but there's knock on effects for ideas about China, which we are very much feeling to this day because the Qing... <laughs> are like oh yeah you know how we're like um vajrayana buddhist and we're kind of like mongolian Mm, tibet belongs to china yeah Yeah. so like uh, mongolia belongs to china tibet belongs to china manchuria belongs to china so these were these were places where they had a sphere of influence before Mm -hmm. so like going pretty far northeast so basically everything to the north of korea like huge chunk of land um outer mongolia all the way over basically to nepal like all through the himalaya Mm -hmm. and tibet they're like yeah that's china (laughs) now um the people there didn't necessarily they they weren't like all that down for like the tibetans for example famously not that Mm -hmm. into it and a lot of mongolians were like the fuck you we are like 
because yeah. they didn't really see Manchu people as being Mongolian either. But it's like mm-hmm. there's, but they were more similar culturally than like the Han Chinese were, for mm-hmm. example. Um, so there's a lot of fighting though, and a lot of emphasis on the part of the Qing with like fighting, for example, the Mongols or you know people like that in order to bring this under control. Mm-hmm. Um, they basically then are like, okay, well, we're, this is China. There's a lot of different ways to be Chinese and that's what's going on. Funnily enough, by this time, like a lot of Han Chinese are making their way into like the Qing administration anyway. So it's like, mm. they continue to be like extraordinarily powerful. It's just that like, you need to be kind of like Manchu to be high up in the government or Ming. It's not like you, mm-hmm. if you're Tibetan, you're going to get high up in the government or something. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's got like knock on effects to like what we're seeing now, you know, like when mm. a lot of the other, um, kind of Buddhist peoples get swept onto this and a lot of Turkic people as well. So basically mm. like you end up having a kind of China that like makes it all the way, like almost to Lake Baikal, like, uh, like mm. definitely like to Lake Balkhash in the in the west of the country so mm-hmm. it just expands exponentially um and b- def- definitely like um it expands its uh its territory more generally um they also have like power over a number of tributary states like korea nepal um burma the vietnamese stuff like that they like they demand tribute from those people so they're not considered chinese but they are like tithing essentially mm-hmm. um so yeah I, if you know anything about what's going on with China now, you go, oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. That's where it comes from. It's the Qing. The Qing are the ones who did it, actually. Even if, like, Han Chinese people uh, are happy to take it um, and kind of, like, see themselves as, like, the main and governing homogenous body of, of China, it's a result mm-hmm. of Qing pressure and Qing culture that made that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so that is the Qing and they are, uh, becoming a, uh, you know, they're becoming a big deal here. And, um, but that, but talking about China also, uh, leads us to talk about the great divergence. Um, and, you know, before we start, uh, you know, there's a lot of shit about, you know, people talk about China and there's a lot of, uh, you know, wrong information out there and stuff like that. Um, you know, so when we're talking about this, this is uh, the Great Divergence is an actual like historical phenomenon. This is not something that has been like, um, uh, you know, that 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 we're using to like uh, bash China or you know anything like Absolutely that. Absolutely not. Just, no, no, no. It's just, uh, yeah, they, you know, they were the world superpower if there was one for a very long time, and then. They sort of fell off and, and England took their place. And, you know, there there are reasons for that. So, you know, that is, uh, you know, that's, that's what it is. Uh, so anyway, um, the Great Divergence is the time when China ceased to be like the world's greatest power in Europe, specifically England, a little bit later, took its place. You know, so what happened? How did China go? How did China, which had a centralized governmental structure and functioning bureaucracy before the Roman Republic even formed, uh, get overtaken by a bunch of backwater shepherds and farmers from northwestern Europe. Uh, since time immemorial, the wealth of China dwarfed that of basically any other country in the world thanks to the control of the Silk Road and monopolization of products and resources. They invented powder, uh, paper, and the compass and had gunpowder for years before anyone else did. So how did China 
lose out in this new global race for power that nobody really knew was happening at this time? Um, they're too centralized, isn't it? <laughs> like, I, I mean, I, that, uh, I yeah. I, I, so it comes down to a couple of things. So what, one of them is what we call the high equilibrium trap, which I know I've talked about before, which is like, well, shit was pretty good in China. So mm-hmm. they didn't need to grasp. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the reason why, like, the English get on boats and stuff is like, well, they like we we were running out of fucking forests in England. Right. Like we had to, like, go to America to make more boats because we couldn't get trees that would make masts big enough. Right. Yeah. Like wood was scarce on the ground. Like, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of stuff. Whereas in China, things had been ticking over rather smoothly for quite a long time. The average individual lived a much uh, nicer life than anyone in Europe mm-hmm. was doing. It was just overall, a general, generally people lived a pretty okay life. And as a result yeah. of that, they just don't feel the need to like go everywhere and like settle and conquer and start a colony. Like that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Part of it is also, like, this massive centralization of power. So, and I know, I think we've talked about this before as well, but, like, for example, the when the Navy is dismantled, the Navy is dismantled because there is a internal power struggle between, uh, on the one hand, the, the naval officers, and on the other mm-hmm. hand, um, the eunuchs who live in the Imperial Palace. Um, and the eunuchs win. And so as a result, they're like, hey, fuck you to the Navy. And like a bunch of the naval officers get killed and the Navy is just dismantled overnight. So Mm. if this is about like sending ships out and getting these ships to like go get stuff and bring them back in. Well, China can't do that. And the reason China Mm. can't do that is because it's so centralized that when a decision gets made... That's it. It, it happens, mm-hmm. right? So compare and contrast yeah. this with that fucking loser Christopher Columbus, right? Who can go, like, begging all over Europe looking for someone to mm-hmm. give him some ships and some money. Like, in China, you got one place to go, and if you get told no, that's it. You got told no, right? Like, you mm-hmm. can't go walk next door and, like, ask another person, right? So it's mm-hmm. just way more together, and it's a much, it's a much more modern state. Mm-hmm. essentially and so as a result of it you know decisions are made and like what what happens happens right so mm-hmm. th- these things like happen actually under the ming like you know dismantling the navy and things like that and so it's like they just didn't they hadn't got back to a place mm-hmm. where there were you know big fleets and it, again if it's just predicated on fleets then they're in trouble but then again, like you get taken over by the Manchu, and these are horse people, right? Mm. Like they don't fucking care about no boat. It's like you, what you want is like a, some Mongolian step ponies, and like that's and that's mm. how you you rule and that's how you gain territory. You know, like China is expanding at this point in time, so they they are doing colonialism. Like I would argue, you know, they're they're taking over Tibet and places like that. That's like mm-hmm. it's new, certainly, but they're like fuck i'm gonna get on a boat for right like what what could you know and and to be fair there is less of an incentive to get on a boat as well because it's like what you want you want fur well you can go up to the taiga and you can just walk up there right now like they've got more resources and stuff like that on their doorstep as opposed to europe Mm -hmm. which is like fairly densely populated and already killed all the animals like that. And they've got to go to like Russia yeah. or China in order to get it. So they don't need to go over to America for that. Like what, yeah. what are they going to get from Europe? Yeah. Like, we, we, we don't, we don't have shit to offer them. We got silver. 
Like that. Yeah. That's about it. Like we are consciously aping things that the Chinese do at this point. We're like, look, Ma, I made my own pot. Like, look, oh, I'm making tiles and stuff like that, you know. And then, oh, look, it's blue and white. I'm Chinese. Boop, boop, boo. You know, like, the, the, there's nothing that we have to offer them, right? Um, they've already got established fucking trade networks for when they want stuff from Africa and things. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, so they are better hooked in. So there's no point for them getting on a, a boat because it's like, well, if someone's going to come deliver this stuff to your doorstep, why are you going to get in your car, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's pretty much, yeah. especially if you don't got a fucking car. Because some eunuchs yeah. got in a fight with the dude who was driving. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, and even, and like, I mean, we should be clear. Like, even if China had, if China had made it to the Americas, I mean, they they still would have been doing, you know, imperialism and, and colonialism. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, it's not that, you know, they would have, they would have come over and, you know, everything would have been sunshine and roses for, you know, the indigenous people of the Americas. It's just that there would have been different competition and different like factors of like how far, you know, land and new countries and things like that could go uh, because there would be another global hegemonic power yeah. there to to stop the spanish the portuguese the english the dutch etc 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 you know so you know just just say just you know getting that out there because you know it's not like they the americas wouldn't have been dominated and yeah. you know stuff would have happened it just would have been a much 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 different world than we have now yeah i mean yeah. i guess one way to think about it is too is there's also just a, a really different way of considering Um, ideas about supremacy right Mm -hmm. so chinese people are like we're so good slash we're the best why would we want anything from anyone else Mm -hmm. whereas white people are like we're so good we're the best i'm gonna go over there and take that shit from those people (laughs) (laughs) right like so there's it's just like a real different thing there and you know part of that just has to do with the fact that like you know european land's pretty clapped we can't make our own gold. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, we can't make a lot of the things that we want. We, we have to go take them from people. Whereas China mm-hmm. can supply their own desires. Um, so mm-hmm. there, there isn't that same push to go overseas and, and colonize. Because, like, mm-hmm. what's it for? You know, what's it for? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, it's just one of those, uh, <laughs> just one of those, you know, historical... Uh, you know, weird historical tracks where the world could have been completely different, you know, if yeah. they hadn't said, stop making ocean faring ships. And I think it was like 1432, um, you know, which was again, you know, that timing. 60, <laughs> 60 years before, um, you know, before Columbus. So, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's just one of those things. And there are a lot of factors that are going to continue to do this. And I mean, right now in in the era that we're in the great divergence is happening very gradually um based on like historical trends and data that can be seen uh because it's it's usually tracked back to like the late 14 or early 1500s but there are some people who just argue that it doesn't begin at all until the 1700s like the industrial revolution and everything that so you know like you can kind of of take your pick there but this is something that right now is just gradually going up we're gradually going up on the graph Mm. and then like when coal becomes starts to become a thing um yeah it's just going to shoot up exponentially because hey uh england has a lot of coal and that's what we need to move the world in the future Mm. and Mm. yep there it is 
the the happenstance of you know it's a f- the geography and resource resources spread across this planet are you it was know, the first time England yeah. got to have a resource you know other than sheep yeah other than sheep <laughs> it was like that, that's about it yeah. so you know they're very excited yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah this is this is the um the, the you know this is this is what we're seeing now and I mean it it starts the, all of this stuff you can start seeing in your mind is just forming and forming and forming and forming together. And, um, you know, soon the, uh, the, the, the horrific, uh, uh, form of capitalism will come into focus yeah. and, uh, and destroy everything. Um, yeah. Uh, Hooray. but that's, that's where we're going to stop for today because yeah, there was a lot. And if you um, have been upset that we've only been covering small amounts of time, uh, don't worry. Next time we're going to cover like 1640 to like 1770. Um, so yeah, that'll do a lot there. But then after that, it's probably going to slow down because of Napoleon yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. other things. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so before we go, uh, something we've been talking about the whole time, uh, technology and innovation Yay! things that were invented during this time period, compound microscopes. So we are now yeah. uh, really on the way to uh, germ theory, but yeah, compound microscope microscopes allow us to see little microscopic life uh, eventually. And we learned that, yeah, life is far, 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 far more complicated than we thought. The slide rule is invented. So, you know, there you go. Everybody needs a slide rule, I guess. <laughs> Mechanical calculators uh, are also, the very first ones are also invented during this time. And finally, in 1607, um, Britain established Jamestown in the colony of Virginia, its first chartered settlement in North America. This event will have no consequences whatsoever. Nope. <laughs> um, you know, just something we wanted to note here in 1607 when yeah yeah, mm. yeah. the the yeah yep <laughs> ah. good job mm. yep when uh when Sat- when satan gave birth to its greatest uh <laughs> to okay. to its greatest child anyway more about england and america in the future but yes. next time the bourgeoisie finally do the damn thing and get class consciousness. As a result, the English have a civil war and then later a restoration. We'll also talk briefly about the golden age of piracy, absolutism, the Sun King, and probably some more stuff that, uh, yeah, we hadn't fit in this episode because it got taken up uh, by Westphalia and um, well, you see, Great Divergence. You see how long yep. we've been talking already. We can- <laughs> yeah, yeah, good times. Good times. So, um, yeah, thank you again for listening. Uh, Eleanor, where can the people find you in the meantime? You can find me on Twitter at Going Medieval. My blog, going-medieval.com, is always there for your uh, delectation. Uh, And you can check out my published work, uh, which is The Middle Ages, A Graphic History. Out on Icon. It's got pretty pictures. The end. Yay. That's right. Yay. Uh, My name is Luke. Find me on Twitter at Luke is amazing. You can find my other podcast, a people's history of the old Republic, wherever you're listening to this show right now. It's about star Wars. Check it out. If you want or don't, I don't really care. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not your dad. I mean, I do care. I'm just not your dad. You know, yeah. it's one of those. He's somebody things. else's anyway. dad, not yours. Okay. Yeah. Not dad, yours, a whole yep. box of cables. Oh, my daughter. My da- Yeah. My daughter's uh, fourth birthday is today. Oh, hey, happy, Maddie, birthday, happy birthday. Maddie. 
Yeah, she'll never listen to this, hopefully. That would be so embarrassing. Like, oh, oh, God, my no. I used mm-hmm. to do podcasts. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. And, yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.